Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. Hey, good morning, everybody. We're so glad that we have this opportunity to worship together. Um, We know that there's many things going on in our world, um, and we at Garfield Memorial Church, we want to be thankful. Thank you uh, to Pastor Kurt Bissell, our online pastor, that every single week at this church, we have an online church experience. Uh, We believe just God has uniquely positioned us for such a time as this want to thank the worship team that's behind me, Pastor Leah and Pastor Dre and Vondra and Craig and Robbie um, are here. Our tech team uh, is here. Uh, my wife Terry, Pastor Scott, Pastor Terry, Pastor Lori, we're here excited to bring us together. We always say every Sunday morning, one church in three locations. We have two locations in Cleveland, Ohio, and a Garfield Memorial Church in Liberia, Africa. But I don't know, what are we today? One church in a thousand locations? Um, It's amazing. In the book of Acts, the early church met in homes. So maybe we're just going back to our roots today. Um, We are not in fear. This is not a matter of fear. We are trying to be responsible. And I am praying, and I've been, uh, as a teaching church, we've had churches calling us this week. What do you think we should do? What are you doing? Let me tell you something. I'm praying for all our pastors and all our churches today, whether they're choosing to meet online, whether they're meeting live with precautions. Guess what? We're doing the best we know how to represent the unending, everlasting love and power and grace of God. There's no wrong answers, so I want to tell you pastors, don't believe the critics. Just do the best that you know how to proclaim the Word of God. We are in support of you. I have friends meeting today. I have friends that are doing this as an online platform. We have churches coming with us from all over the place. Uh, I had a a, a friend down in southern Ohio that said we're recommending all of their churches down there to tune in with us. Good Shepherd Church in Parma, you're with us today. I I got texts this morning from Lorain County, from Canton, Ohio, from Youngstown. Shout out to Youngstown, my hometown. Uh, But others that just said, hey, we're jumping in. Um, If you are a pastor or a church and you don't have a live stream option, We want you to know any Sunday during this time, come over to Garfield. We'll put you up on stage. You can can shout out to your folk. Uh, We'll we'll share the mic as far as preaching the Word of God. Because I'm telling you, the enemy always wants us apart. But this technology is an example of a provision of God that we're going to be together. My wife yesterday was calling a lot of our um, members, our older members, some who are alone, asking how you're doing. And I was just so encouraged that uh, people from the church were already calling before she even got there. And some of you are gathering in homes and other things. I think it's amazing. Um, So we're not, uh, this team is here giving of themselves to prepare worship. This isn't about us. Jesus said we're to love our neighbors. 
And this is the way we're loving our neighbors right now. We are not paralyzed by fear, but we're not going to flunk the school of common sense. And we know that most of this COVID-19 virus is being transmitted right now by people that don't even have any symptoms. So the fact that we can leverage the tools that God has given us. We didn't invent technology. God invented it at the beginning of time. We just caught up and figured it out. And that we can do this together is amazing. So I'm going to turn us over to Pastor Leah in just a minute to really uh, hit us off. However you want to worship today, if you want to lift your hands, if you want to stand, if you get your kids together, um, if you want to sing, um, do, do, do it. Just make a joyful noise, okay? Pastor Kurt, we're trusting you today to make connections with people. If you're on our worship sites anywhere, whether on our platform or Facebook Live, would you just identify yourself? We want to know how the, the widening of the circle is happening, how we're going out in different places. Say, hey, I'm down here in Cambridge, Ohio, and I'm worshiping with you. We want to pray for you. We believe that God is still God and that God is reigning, Alpha and Omega. Okay, the beginning and the end. We're in the in-between, but God is at both ends uh, continuing to lift us and minister to us. So let me pray for us. God, thank you for being our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. And we will not fear, though the mountains shake, though the, 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 we tumult the seas roar, we know that there is a river that makes glad the city of God. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. Cleveland, Ohio, state of Ohio, United States, across the world, wherever you're at right now, God is God. God is able. God is the great healer, the great deliverer. And we thank you, God, for being our God. And we're going to worship you right now. Join with us in worship, we pray. In the strong name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. John 4, 13 says, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. We're going to sing about that river of joy today. Wherever you are, know that God is with you, just like he's here with us. Hallelujah.
everyone else is, wherever you are, I pray that God has his way right now, here in this moment. Have your way, Jesus. You're calling us closer to you, Father. So we praise you, God. We take this moment to give you honor and glory, Father. Be glorified, be lifted high. Your presence is all we need right now, Father. It's all we desire right now, Father. You're with us. You're with us.
prophetic. You can have your way, 
right to you. And then when you're done, hand it back to me. of us, those that have kids, they're out of school right now, and you're wondering like, man, <laughs> how am I going to do this? We have an extended spring break. How am I going to do this with these kids at home? But I was praying today, and, and I felt the Lord saying, you need to slow down. You need to slow down. You need to slow down. I know it's crazy right now, but let's take this time, this downtime, to remove all distractions, to remove everything that's been in the way, hindering us from getting closer to the Father. Yeah. This is the time. This is the time to grow stronger in God. This is the time to use for Him. Get closer to your family. This is the time. Slow down, slow down, and listen to what God is doing, what he's saying. And so, God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for revealing, revealing your glory to us. You're in everything. Let us see you in all. Not just the big things, God. Let us see you in the small things, Father. And we thank you for your healing. We thank you for your grace and the will to go on, Father. We thank you for strength. And if you believe that, lift a shout up to the Father wherever you are. Hallelujah, we have the victory. Amen. Amen. Welcome. Welcome to worship here this morning with Garfield Memorial Church. Now, one of the things we know is there's a lot more than Garfield Memorial Church worshiping here this morning. So I'm going to let uh, Dave talk to you about that in a minute. But I just want to jump on with something that Pastor Leah was just saying. Amazing, by the way, Pastor Leah, Vondra, Pastor Dre, Craig, and Robbie in the back just killing it this morning. Worshiping like crazy here today. Um, that that notion of slowing down has been hitting me and my family through this whole thing too. Uh, yesterday, you know, it's amazing. There's, there's there's no sports to watch on TV. There's no place to go going out. My family, we we uh, we sat down around the table yesterday at, at lunchtime and we read some scripture, and and we prayed and we read from a book called Get This Three Mile an Hour God. Uh, written by Japanese theologian Kosuke Koyama, and he's all about the fact that God moves not at the pace that we drive our cars, not at the pace that we fly in our planes. God moves at the speed that we walk, which is three mile an hour. And, and he said, when we go into these unknown times, he said, in the Bible, it's wilderness time. And in the wilderness, you experience two things. One is danger, because you don't know what's happening. You don't know where it's going. You've never been there before. That's the definition of wilderness. You're out somewhere where you don't know where you are or what's going to happen because you've never been there before. And we've never been here before, in this situation before. So there's danger, but there's also promise. 
there's promise because in the end, we're in the wilderness not because the devil has driven us there. We're in the wilderness because God has called us there. And when we're there where God has called us, we have the promise that God is with us there. So wherever there is for you right now, whether you're at home, whether you're sitting in your car someplace, whether you decided to go to McDonald's and and, and share a happy meal with your kids and you're watching on your phone, wherever you are, just as Pastor Leah said, God is there too. That's his promise. Whatever you're going through, God is going through it with you. And so welcome to worship because what you're going through right now is worship. And that's cool. That's a very good thing. And you, I'm going to, just so you know who you're going, a little bit better, who you're going through this worship with, we're going to listen to Dave talk here for a minute. So, All right, guys. Well, welcome to worship. Uh, usually I am hiding behind a camera in the back, so I'm really awkward right now. Chip's like, you're going up. I'm like, no, I'm not. And, um, so just as a heads up for, for you guys all watching online right now, there there is just literally like us in the building right now. But we're, we kind of have over roughly 400 individual computers or phones or things like that watching right now from 11 different states going out all as far as Arizona. We've got Kansas. We've got Florida. We've got uh, Washington, New York. And if you're sitting with one other person while you're watching, take those numbers and basically double them or triple them or quadruple them. I mean, we might be hitting, you know, having like 1,500, almost 2,000 people you guys are worshiping with right now. So I just wanted to kind of like pop up here and say that, and, uh, and I will hand it back over to Scott. But please, guys, just be worshiping, be praying, be celebrating God in this moment. So... Amen. Thank you, Dave. Thank you very much. I forgot to introduce myself, I think. I'm Scott Blevins. I'm the pastor over the South Euclid campus of Garfield Memorial Church. So good to be with you. You know, the Bible says, Joseph said this, whatever the devil might have intended for bad, God intends for good. And and when was the last time you worshipped with 1,500 people, right? Right? Now, I know there's some churches in some places where that happens all the time, um, but but when was the last time you worshipped with 1,500 people, people from all over the country, people from all different ethnic backgrounds and nationalities, worshipping together through this amazing gift that God has given us that we call the interwebs? I know, I'm being intentionally, you know... uneducated right there, but we got a little bit of business to take care of here today. You know, the Sunday morning worship experience when we gather together as a group is, is an important part of what it means to be church, but it's only one part of what it means to be church. We do a lot of other things. We have small groups. That's part of our spiritual discipline. We study the Bible. That's part of our spiritual discipline. We pray. That's part of our spiritual discipline. Some folks fast on a regular basis as part of their spiritual discipline. We read the scripture, part of our spiritual discipline. All of these different things we do. Visit the sick. Comfort those in need. Reach out to other people. And we're not stopping any of those things just because we can't gather in a single physical location this morning. One other thing that I'm telling you we really can't stop doing as part of our spiritual discipline is giving. Now, if you're a guest with us today, this is the first time you've experienced Garfield Memorial Church's online this morning. You can tune me out for the next couple minutes uh, and, and, you know, turn around and hug your kids, hug your family members, whoever you're with, your friends, and, and, and just take a minute. But if you worship regularly, whether it's with Garfield Memorial Church or any other church, 
remember that just because you're not in the building today, the same expenses for the same ministry is still going on. So at Garfield, we have ways to give electronically. Um, You can probably see those on the screen right now. Um, Some of the simplest ways are text to give. You can go to garfieldchurch.org. If you're watching, it's not on Facebook, but on our webpage. There's a giving tab right up there at the top on the right, and you can give. You can use the Shelby Next giving app. There's a lot of ways to give electronically because all of those ministries that we are doing all of the time are still going on in one form or another, and your gifts fuel that mission and fuel that ministry, and it's part of how we worship God. So please, while we're on this this strange break from from this uh, virus that's spreading around, Um, continue your spiritual discipline of giving as well. If you're not part of Garfield Memorial Church, don't give to us. You you ever hear pastors say that before? Don't give to our church. Give to your church, okay? You might have to mail the check in if you don't have electronic giving. That's okay. You might have to mail the cash in. God will get it there. Don't worry about it. But, But the church, the church, we need God. God provides us with money to do the mission and ministry he's given us, but he uses you to provide that. So, so please continue to do that while you're at home doing your other things as we continue to worship God together. Heard someone on the radio uh, uh, morning that there was no sports to watch this weekend. There was nothing to go out and do. Um, they said, you know what? I think I'll stay home and play board games and read a book with my family. You know what? That's not a bad way to spend the weekend. So we're going to continue to worship together. Uh, Let's just pray and say thank you, God, for all that you've given us. Thank you for the gift of the Internet. Thank you for the gift of these devices that we're connecting together on right now. Thank you for the gift of these musicians and singers, for the gift of Pastor Chip, who's going to preach the Word of God to us today, Pastor Terry, who's going to bless us at the end of this service today. Thank you, Lord. For all of these things, thank you for all that's being given right now. And, and Lord, receive all of these things as our act of worship to you. May everything that we do during this time, everything that we sing, everything that we say, every time we reach out and grab the hand of someone who's close to us right now, whether physically or spiritually, Lord, may that come up to you just as, as a beautiful, wonderful act of worship. Receive it in Jesus' name as we receive you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Man, I've heard some good preaching today already. I hope you've heard it coming off of this stage. Um, I, it, believe me, I'm willing to give up my time to hear those things that Pastor Leah shared and Pastor Scott has shared and Dave Jezik has come up here and shared. And man, you know, since he came up here and said we have like 400 people, we just checked, Pastor Kirk told me there's 600 little units. So it's just multiplying. I've had college students hitting us online. I've had folks from, you know, as Dave said, 11 states. 
Um, we've got folks in different areas. Canton, shouting out to you guys, came online. Southern Ohio, uh, we're just so blessed. Good Shepherd, we're so glad we could do this together. And I just want to say, any church that's worshiping with us right now, I'm going to say it again. During this time, we're probably going to be, we don't know, we'll be, we'll be checking with our website regularly. Uh, we have a COVID-19 update to see. We know we won't, we'll be in this format next week, probably the week after that. We're kind of following the trajectory of the schools. I consulted, we have two amazing medical centers in Cleveland, Ohio. Amazing. And we have physicians from those. I've consulted with them. So we're being smart. Uh, we're, we're, we're trying to care for one another. Um, but tune in. But, but I want to say to other churches that may not have a live webcast like we do, may not have an online pastor, come on out. Send a pastor. Send a leader. Come over here. We want you to be able to greet your congregation. We can worship together. Uh, we can preach together. We can do whatever, okay? Because what the enemy means for evil, God can do an amazing, amazing thing with, and we're excited. Okay, we decide here. Um, I'm not, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not preaching a pandemic sermon today, okay? I'm preaching a sermon on the kingdom of God, and that we're staying, we're staying with our series. If you're worshiping us online, we're in a series leading up to Easter called Life Between Two Gardens. And what, we, what we've been talking about is that we were created, as you saw the little video, we were created in a garden, right? Jesus, when he fixes history, when he fixes everything that's wrong with the human race, he's raised in a garden. In fact, Mary Magdalene goes looking for Jesus and thinks he's the gardener. And in the new creation, where God redeems a great city, an amazing city if you read Revelation 21, that we're, we're, we're raised together in community, not just floating around on clouds by our own, that we're like we are today on this online broadcast. We're together in community. When we're raised that way, Revelation 22 says God still has some green space, that the tree of life is there, that there's fruit that brings life, right? So we're created in a garden, we're saved in a garden, and even at the end, there's uh, hints of the garden restored. And so we've talked about the Garden of Eden the last two Sundays. We looked at the fact that in the ancient Near East, when a powerful king, Babylon, Egypt, Assyria, had a palace they would create a garden. It was kind of a manufactured garden, but they would import flora and fauna. They would bring in exotic animals, right? So Michael Jackson wasn't the first to do that. They did it way back then, right? And they had this amazing garden. And they would have slaves, like, pumping water because they're very arid areas in the Middle East. So there would be waterfalls, right? And the greatest honor you could ever have was for the king to say, I want you to take a walk with me in the garden. And I, I, I just can't leave what Pastor Scott shared with us of our wonderful Asian brother who said, our God goes at three miles per hour. Oh, yeah. Our God goes at a walk. Like he wants us to walk. He creates not a fabricated garden. He creates all of the universe and says, I'm creating you in my own image. And I want you to walk with me. And, and, Pastor Leah was sharing on stage, it's a good time for us to walk together. Walk with our family, walk with our children, but most importantly, walk with God. And listen, you know, uh, Enoch, Enoch is, a, is a hero in the Bible, and, and they said the only thing he did was walk with God. 
You know, it's funny when Micah the prophet says, what does the Lord require of us? God spoke back and said, do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly, right? Humbly with God. My wife has been saying this for the last four years. She thinks everything is going on in our world, everything is going on in our country. That God, you remember those billboards they used to put up? You know, billboards from God, like, you know, need help or whatever, just these kind of things. She's like, God's just saying, do you need me now? <laughs> like, do you need me now, right? Just come walk with me. That God has created everything for us to walk with him. And last week, we looked at the story with the fall of Adam and Eve and, and the images from that truth story, uh, a story about human life, that what gets fouled up is when we want to be our own Savior and Lord. Right? The lie that was told to Adam and Eve was, oh, wait a minute. Did God tell you that really? Like, oh, no. He, you won't die. You'll be like God. And oh, my gosh, as our society and us as pastors and churches, we have failed miserably at trying to be like God. And God is reminding us that I am the Lord. I am your refuge and strength. So today I want to read a passage that's a little different. We're going to stay in our series And I want to talk just for about 20 minutes or so about false gardens, about things we turn to to bring us salvation, to bring us uh, meaning, to bring us purpose that can never deliver. And it's an interesting story. It comes out of Genesis. We've been through the creation stories. It's a story of Abraham. Uh, In fact, if you don't know this, uh, before God named Abraham, Abraham, and Sarah, Sarah, they actually were named Abram and Sarai. And, you know, God, when he comes into your life, he changes things. And he loves to change names, man. He just loves to change directions. So I'm going to say Abram and Abraham, and I'm going to be all, um, we would say in homiletics, exegetically incorrect. But hang in there. That's what it's all about. But it's an early story where Abraham, Abram, answered a call from God, right? And he followed to a place he knew not. I think that's a good word for us today. What defines who you are? Have you ever thought about that? See, we have this kind of spectrum in the world called conservative and liberal. And it's just a spectrum. It's a way we think. And both schools of thought have a definition of who you are. If you're in the conservative traditional uh, uh, countries or bringing up, your identity comes from duty. Right? Duty. You're being a good father. You're being a good mother. You're being a good spouse. You're being a good citizen of your country. Everything is duty. Doing the right things. Right? And that's one spectrum. On the liberal side of things, on the other side of the spectrum, it says you're defined by who you are. By you. What feels good, what works good, you decide what's right or wrong for your life. Now, I want to ask you, where does following Jesus, where does Christianity fit on that spectrum? It doesn't, right? And that's why it always challenges. Uh, Jesus showed up for all the duty freaks and said, all you're doing is relying on your own performance, and you're trying to earn your own salvation, and you're not leaning on, the, you know, on God, and he robs us of that, and he goes to the other spectrum that says, oh, you get to decide what's right and wrong, and says, if you try to create your own life, you'll lose it. 
If you seek to save your life, you'll lose it. If you seek to find your life, you'll never get it. But if you release it, see, Christianity doesn't fall on the spectrum. And that's why true Christianity, the early church, and what we, if we get down to our roots, the church is always a, a, um, a threat to the ways of the world. Whether if it's capitalistic, individualistic, democracy, it's a threat. Because it says you don't live to yourself. If it's totalitarian, dictatorship, it's a threat. Because it says you don't trample on the image of God and the freedom that God's given. It doesn't fit. Because what defines us as Christians is we have been called. We have a call outside of ourselves. We have a call to something bigger than ourselves. We've been called to love God and love others and live in radically different ways than the world does. And Abraham is the greatest individual of call because here was Abraham, a little Iraqi shepherd, you know, in a retirement community. And God said, look, I'm going to get you and your wife and I'm going to send you out. I'm going to bless you. This is Genesis 12. And through you, everyone will be blessed. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. And uh, you're going to have offspring. You ever wonder why Sarah laughed at like 95? Like, you know, I'm going to do things that the book of Ephesians says are exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask or think. Because you've been called. This is a good time in our world to remember that we have a higher calling. That we've been called to something different, not allegiance to countries or political parties or, or agendas or, or, you know, businesses. We've been called to be ambassadors of an eternal kingdom. And that's what we do. And that's who we are. And Abraham's a great story. So I'm going to take one real quick out of Genesis 13. I want to compare something. This is Abraham and his nephew named Lot. Who Lot followed, when Abraham says, hey, we're called to go. He said, okay, I'll go with you. And here they are on this journey. And can you imagine Lot being a guy who like, God's, a God who I've never met, spoke to my uncle, I never heard it, and told us to leave everything we know and go to a place that we don't know where it is, but he'll tell us when we get there. So I'm going to be kind of hard on Lot, but I want to have compassion for Lot. I think I probably would have behaved just like he did. Let's look at this story real quick together. Abram, Abraham, went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him, into the Negev. Now, Abraham was very rich, right? Livestock, silver, and gold. He journeyed on by stages from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at first, and there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Now, Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. So that, watch this, the land could not support both of them. For their possessions were so great that they could not live together. And there was strife between the herders of Abram and Abram's livestock and the herders of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the, and the Perizzites lived in the land. Then Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me and between your herders and my herders, for we are family. Let's say that today, church family, right? Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me, Abram said to Lot. If you take the left hand, I'll go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, I'll go to the left. And this verse is serious. Lot looked about him. The Hebrew says, Lot lifted up his eyes. 
and saw that the plain of the Jordan was well watered everywhere like the garden of the Lord. So Lot chose for himself all the plain of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed eastward. Thus they separated from each other. Abraham settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the plain and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Beware of false gardens. See, what happened was, Lot and Abraham were living together. In that day and age, your wealth was not your bank account. Okay, Your wealth was not managed by an investment broker. Your wealth was livestock and herds and tents and workers to take care of it. And in this, in this area, those of you who have traveled with me to Israel, those who may, if you go to that area, there, it's very arid, it's very desert, and the land simply could not support overpopulation of herds and, and flocks. And Abraham basically said, you know, there's a contention, but we can't sustain what we're doing. And, and he says to Lot, we're, we're going to have to figure this out. And so Lot has an ambition. That's why I'm calling it the ambition of Lot. This is something we all got to be careful about. Because he looked out how to fix the situation, and he turned to very physical, earthly things. He said that there is this Jordan plain, which is amazingly fertile ground, and he said, that looks to me like the garden of the Lord. In other words, that can fix my financial portfolio. That can secure me during these times. I know we're scared about the stock market and everything, but that over there could solve this for me. And it looks just like the garden of the Lord. See, this this is the problem. We looked at temporal things. We look at things to fix what what only God can fix. And, And it's nothing wrong. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being financially savvy or trying to secure your family or investing properly. Nothing wrong with any of that. What's wrong is when you seat those things on the things where only God should be. Like we cannot turn to those things and begin to ask them to be our God. And I love, it's just like Lot said, that looks like the garden of the Lord. But the problem was, it was the garden of the Lord without the Lord. Okay? So here's a beware. The gardens of the Lord without the Lord. You know, he was searching for something. And all of us are searching for something, friends. All of us. How many know Rocky Balboa was a great prophet? For one movie. Maybe two. I kind of like the second one. You know, by the time it got to eight, I thought him and the karate kid were going to have a fight by the end of it. But anyhow, but you remember in the real, the first Rocky, the one that won the Academy Award, there was a really prophetic statement that Rocky said. He said to Adrian, yo, Adrian, he said, I just want to finish the fight. I don't care if I win. And she said, well, why? Why do you put yourself through this? He said, because that's the only way I'll know I'm not a bum. Do you know every one of you listening online? All of us have a lot in us. All of us have a Rocky Balboa in us. That we just want to know we're not a bum. And so sometimes we look, and it looks like the garden of the Lord. If I can just get that relationship, if I can just get that love, if I can just have these children, if I can just get that career, if I can just make this amount of money, I'll know I'm not a bum. Right? 
And, and we're looking for things to give us that value that can't do it. One scholar said it's like trying to drive a three-ton truck on a one-ton bridge. It won't bear up under the weight. So Lot warns us today to not look for gardens of the Lord without the Lord. To turn to things, to be our first things. That if I don't have that, my life doesn't have meaning, I don't even want to go on living. Right? People would say, Jesus would call them, and they would say, well, first let me go do this. Tim Keller, a great scholar I appreciate, said, whatever's on the other side of that first, that's your real God. That's your real garden. See, we're alienated from the garden. We've been talking about this. We've been you know, out of the garden because of our own human error. And it's a memory trace. We're all looking to go back to the garden. We all want to get back to that place where we're walking three miles per hour. Scott, man, man, you messed up my whole sermon today. (laughs) Three miles per hour where we walk with God, where we talk with God. See, I used to hate to sing that hymn when I was growing up. I was a little like, I wasn't sure what was going on in the garden. He walks with me and he talks to me. You know what? The older I get, I come to the garden alone. Where the, and the voice I hear, like we're all trying to get back. And as Pastor Leah said, now that maybe God is slowing us down a little bit. I don't believe God brings pandemics. I don't look for God's fingerprints. But God is preaching in all things. And maybe he's saying, as my wife said so simply, do you need me now? Can you slow down a little bit and walk with me? Can you slow down a little bit and re-examine your life? I think that's a healthy thing. But don't lift up your eyes and look to the wrong place. See, I don't mind that Lot was looking for financial portfolios or whatever, but he was doing it for the wrong reasons. Jim Elliott was a missionary who died in the contemporary world. He was bringing the gospel of Jesus to a new place and and he was killed. It was in a movie, The End of a Spear. And Jim Elliott was recorded saying something that stuck with me. And he said it this way. He said, a person is no fool to give up what they cannot keep to gain what they cannot lose. What is it that we can give up that we cannot keep to gain what we cannot lose? So we see the ambition of Lot, but we also see the call of Abraham. Abraham's done, he does some crazy stuff. Abraham is no great saint. He blows it as often, well, not quite as often as I do, but he blows it. Like Paul and David and all the saints of Scripture, right? But Abraham is struck by this call. If you study Abraham, that God's call comes up in his life over 12 times. When God speaks to him, he reminds him of his calling. I have plans for you. I have purpose for you. And he nuances it. And sometimes he highlights a challenge. And sometimes he highlights a promise. But Abraham is consumed by the calling of God. And at this moment where Abraham has a dilemma, right? We have a dilemma like we have in our country. We have a dilemma. Abraham had to make a choice between three things. Ready for this? He had to choose between his loyalty to God. He had to choose between his loyalty to family, and he had to choose between his loyalty to his financial wealth. And whatever he decided, one of those things was going to get affected. See, he could have said to Lot, okay, we can't be here uh, together, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to move to another location, 
God had called Abraham to the land of Canaan. We're going to go somewhere else where you and I can live together and we can prosper. And guess what? His relationship with his family would have been good. His relationship with his finances would have been good. But he would have violated his relationship with God. Who said, I'm sending you here. And I want you to stay there and trust in me. Or he could have taken another one. He could have said a lot, hey, wait a minute. I'm the elder. How many of you know in that day and age, the elders had all the say, right? Abraham had all the say. He had all the rights. Lot was the younger one. He said, look, I'm the older one. I'm going to go take that nice little place down there on the beach, and you go take the leftovers. And then what would have happened? He'd have kept his relationship with God. He'd have kept his relationship to his finances, but he would have alienated his family. And Abraham takes a third way. And says, you know what, Lot? I'm going I'm to be free of my own cultural convention. I know I'm supposed to make the shots. But I'm going to hand the authority over to you. You decide where you want to go. And I'll go somewhere else. But I've got to stay in the land of Canaan. And so what did he do? He kept his relationship with God. He kept his relationship with the family. He put his financial life at risk. It's not a bad image. God first. Family second, stuff third. And the only way he could do that, like we want to say, oh, it's Abraham. I can't be Abraham. The only way he could do that was knowing that he'd been called. So right now, friends, I don't know how we put ourselves at risk and and how we give up worldly things to answer the call of God, to be with our families, to be with our human family, and to be loving in all ways with our neighbors. But we can do it, not if we follow the gardens of the Lord without the Lord. But if we know that we've been called by the Lord of the garden to walk with him, to be in relationship with him, to love him without ceasing, to praise him. And that's where, in this time, we need to remember the calling of Jesus. Because let me give you a real little quick verse. I'm going to back up to that Genesis story. After Abraham makes this decision, guys, in chapter 13 and says, look, I'm, I know I'm supposed to call the shots, I know I'm supposed, but I'm going to give up all that because I want to stay right with God and right with my neighbor, and, and I'll trust God for the details. It says at the very end in Genesis 13 that Abraham said to Lot, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. This is the one, um, Genesis uh, 13 Uh, Toward the end, 14 and 15. Um, Keep going. 14, 15, and 17. Um, There it is. After this all happened, the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, watch this. Now you raise your eyes. See, Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the garden of the the Lord without the Lord. But God says to Abraham, you lift up your eyes. Do you know this area they were in, the Negev and the Ai? It says, if you study it geographically, I've been to the land. They say it's one of the great lookouts in all the Middle East. I don't, there was a place I used to go in the Smoky Mountains. They called it the lookout spot, right, where you could see like five states. That was, and, and God takes Abraham up on a mountain and says, I want you to raise your eyes and look from where you are, northward, southward, eastward, westward, for all that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. Rise up. Walk the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. And I'm thinking, wow. You know, Abram put himself at risk. 
If you read chapter 12, Abraham had done some boneheaded things. He was supposed to trust God in the land, but there was a famine, and so he runs down to Egypt. Pharaoh comes in and says, oh, Sarah looks pretty good to me. He says, fine, have her. She's just my sister. And takes him into the harem. Abraham flunked everything that God has said. But in chapter 13, he comes back. He goes to the place he first built his altar. He gets his poise back because he has his calling. He gets back on the path that God has for him. And he does the right thing with God, with his family. And God takes him up on a mountain and says, look around. All of this is yours. And I thought, man, really? Abraham just blew it. I've blown it. How can God say that? Because of the calling of Jesus. Because Jesus, the true and better Abraham, the real son of Abraham, came into the world. And how many of you remember? He was taken up on a high mountain. And the prince of evil said to him, Oh, bow down to me, and I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus said, but I didn't come to gain. I came to lose. I left everything that you were talking about bringing to me. I came to lose glory so my people can have it. I came to give away the riches of heaven so my people can be with it forever. We have a true and better Abraham who had in every way a right to make us bow down and serve. But he said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve, and I came to redeem the world. And watch this. Paul says in Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 8, uh, verse 9, Paul says that he, you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. So by by his poverty, you can become rich. Friends, this is the Lord. This is what we're looking for. This is what we're hungry for. This one who was tempted in every way that we are, was tempted to fall into the false gardens, to fall into panic, to fall into fear. But he said, I came that, that you would not be afraid. Do you know fear not is the calling card of God? Let me tell you something. Every time there's a, okay, here's a seminary word. I'm going to preach to my preachers here today. A theophany. See, I had to pay a bunch of money to Princeton University to learn how to say the word theophany. You know what it means? God showed up. So there are 365 God shows up in the Bible. Angel of the Lord, the Lord Jesus, and says the words, fear not. Did you hear me on that? 365 every single day of the rotating of our planet under the sun God says do not be afraid why? because I am with you and because Jesus was willing to climb a mountain a hill of skulls and lose it all and lose fellowship and be in the dark and suffer hell itself so that you and I never would. We can be a people of trust. We can be a people of hope, and we can be a people of love. So don't fall into the ambition of Lot. Don't look at gardens of the Lord without the Lord. We all do it. We all make something that. But have the faith of Abraham that even when we blow it, God can renew us 
and we can go back and go up on top of a mountain and say, my father owns the mountains and the seas, and he's given all this for me. How do I know it? Because of Jesus. Let's trust that. Let's live in that. Now, I want to send you out with a benediction today. Uh, Pastor Terry gave this to me earlier. It was a benediction by a chaplain of the Senate named Richard uh, Halverston. And every time he benedicted the Senate, every time he benedicted in his local church, he said these words, wherever you go, God is sending you. Wherever you are, God has put you there. God has a purpose in your being right where you are. Christ, who indwells you by the power of his Spirit, wants to do something in you and through you right now. Believe this and go in his grace and go in his power and go in his love. Garfield Memorial Church and all of you who are listening with us today, let's be a people that are called for. And because we've been called, we can go like Abraham. With grace, not our own power, but his, and with his great love. Amen? Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Let's, uh, let's join together now as we close ourselves out together in song.
worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Yeah, we do, Jesus. And holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around. Say holy, holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around You know, there, there's just a handful of us here in this, in this worship center. And I have never Jesus. felt this worship center so full. Thank you, Lord. Because of all Hallelujah. of you. Yeah. Thank you, God's Lord. church. Thank God's you, church. Thank you, Lord. 
is unstoppable. Thank you, Jesus. And this is a time to be God's church. And if you're joining us and you don't know what you believe, thank you for being with us. Yes, thank you, Lord. Come back. We'll be here next week. And if if you've been part of this service, we're going to do it all over again at 1115. So you can invite people to jump on. Thank you, Jesus. But God has called each one of us. Thank you, Jesus. And there has never been a more important time to hear the call. Yes. Because God is always talking. God is always whispering to our hearts and Thank speaking you, to our spirits. Thank you, Jesus. But so often, we're too busy. We're distracted. There are many things, like Martha, many things we're distracted with. But we don't need to be distracted. There's just one thing. Just one thing. To listen to the call of God and then live that out. Wherever we find ourselves this weekend, even if we find ourselves in our homes, not able to go anywhere, we can still reach out. Yes. We have technology. On, Terry. We have phones. Nobody needs to feel alone right now. Thank you, Jesus. Nobody needs to feel alone, but we have to do it. So listen for the call of God on your life. Look up. Lift your eyes. Thank you, Jesus. Lift them up. God is the source of everything we need. Yeah. We've got everything we need. It doesn't matter how empty the shelves are in the stores. Yeah, that's because right. Because we've got... <laughs> what we need. Thank you, Jesus. Which is Jesus Christ. So Pastor Thank Lori is going to close us in, in a word of prayer. And, Thank you, Jesus. And God bless you all. Thank you for worshiping today. Thank you, Lord. I just want to uh, just give our worship team, our tech team, our pastors, and all those that are worshiping here and online, just a round of applause uh, just for trusting God and what he's doing today. But Lord, um, you said in your word that you didn't give us a spirit of fear but of power and love and a sound mind. And, Lord, I thank you for the leadership of this church, Lord, that trusted you, Lord, that put their faith, Lord, in you alone. And, Lord, we know that we're in the olive press, but, God, we know it's what we produce that counts. So, Holy Spirit, just fall fresh. You've already fallen in an amazing way here and online. But, God, we just we need you more than ever. But, Lord, help us to love one another. Lord, help us to tear down those walls, Lord, that so many try to build up. Lord, help us to allow that river of living water to flow through us, Lord, so that others can receive you. So, Lord, we're not going to be afraid of uh, what the enemy meant for evil because you're going to use it for good. So we put our trust in you and we put our faith in you. Because we know we have the promises that you've given us. You've given us your word today. Help us to receive it and move in it. In Jesus of Nazareth's name, amen. Amen. God bless you all.